absolutely be the starting quarterback there. Uh, that, that transfer, that's quietly, not in Norman, it's not quite in Norman, but nationally, that's one of the biggest transfers in the sport this past cycle. If Dylan Gabriel is not at Oklahoma, what is Oklahoma football this year? They swung and missed on Jackson Dart. Maybe they would have landed Dart if they didn't have Gabriel. My point is, he's one of the most important players in that position is one of the biggest boom or bust position groups this year for contending teams. That's a, there's a lot of weight on his shoulders this year, and I look forward to watching him play too. I also look forward to watching what kind of style they try and employ out there at Oklahoma. That's still the favorite in the Big 12. You've seen all the churn and all the players leaving. Still the odds-on favorite to win the Big 12. Rush is back. Final hour. Teddy Lehman here. Tyler McComas hanging out in studio. 651-3439 Air Comfort Solutions text line. And uh, I totally agree. Uh, I think Dylan Gabriel is one of the most important transfers in the entire sport. Um, gosh, whenever you think about transfers to teams that have a legitimate shot at making the college football playoff. not They're not asking for some massive program turnaround from the last decade, right? They're, they're just kind of building on, on what's happened. Dylan Gabriel is probably, probably the, the transfer that means the most, right? He's the most important guy on the team this year. Yeah. I don't think there's any way to say it. Uh, breaking news here, three-star Caleb Spencer, safety out of the state of Virginia, has just committed to OU. Oh, really? So there's a 2023 commit. I'll run down some other schools he had offers from. Arkansas had an offer out. Boston College had an offer out. Kentucky had an offer out. LSU, Michigan State, Penn State, Pitt, South Carolina, Tennessee, Virginia Tech, West Virginia, I think, I think, text line, correct me if I'm wrong, I think that this was the silent commit that they had after the spring game weekend. Gotcha. Um, so a nice player out on the East Coast, and you've got another commit to the 23 class. Yeah. Interesting. That's a – that's an interesting commitment. Um, hmm. I think that they they must see something they really like in this kid, and I I think the way that they're evaluating talent is is like they they're not just throwing out offers to guys, right? No, and, and I mean I could take a guess at what they like. It's the six foot three, two hundred pound build. I I think that right. they want their safeties to be six foot three, long, rangy, athletic, big hitters. I I mean I think everyone wants that, but there's a difference in wanting that and able to go out and identify some guys that can be that type of player for you. So it doesn't surprise me that I see the three star. But I see the six foot three built right. next to it. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that that is a that's a really interesting. It's a really interesting commitment, uh, kid from Virginia. Pretty much like that's not a place that you would say is necessarily Oklahoma's territory, right? No, not really, man. Uh, we've had a handful of guys from from the East Coast from that region. You know, every now and then they'll they'll pull a guy in from over there, but uh, that's that's. That's fascinating there. And safeties at, at 6'3", 200 pounds, 
yeah, that's what they want. They want more length. They want more size on the back end. And there's no telling what 6'3", 200 turns into in college. Yeah, there's no doubt, man. He could be a, a safety, end up being a backer, end up being an edge guy. You just kind of really never know with that body frame. So there's uh, the second bit of good news that we've had today. The first, in case you missed it, OU also got a transfer quarterback via the portal today, Davis Bevel, out of Pitts. Uh, Six foot six, big kid, played in the Peach Bowl last year, played really well, really well. I'll bring up those numbers again to share them. But I, again, if if something were to happen to Dylan Gabriel, I don't think that they would, you know, just roll on with Davis Bevel at quarterback. But he's at least played, uh, you know, some high level Division One football before and has been you know mildly successful in the, big bowl, that's a big bowl game now new year six bowl game against michigan state he was 17 to 22 pretty good stuff michigan state really solid football team last year so yeah that's um actually he was four okay that was his entire year 14 of 18 against michigan state one touchdown one interception 149 yards through the air pretty solid uh i'm interested in that i i i I think that that is a – I like that he offers something a little bit different than what they've got, you know, uh, a bigger body guy. Um, I'm sure he's got a big arm if he's that big. So, I know Lebby likes to push the ball downfield, likes to do a lot of the RPO stuff as well, the quick slants off of the play-action fake. Um, but he also likes to push the ball down the field. And uh, a guy like that with with the big arm, big body – I don't know. I'm interested. I like it. Yeah, I you know, some people have been speculating like, whoa, big body, big kid, is he gonna be is this gonna be the Bev dozer? I think is what we got on the text line earlier. Is this is this guy gonna be, you know, a short yardage goal line quarterback? I don't huh. foresee that really happening. Like with Gary Bohannon, yes, we would have had that conversation. With this kid though, I just Looking at his rushing numbers, it doesn't lead me to believe that he's going to be uh, a factor in the running game at all. No, I I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that he's going to be a factor in like a short yardage type, like like they're going to try and get him in in a package. But I wouldn't eliminate him. At least I'm not going to eliminate him as a a guy that can use his legs well and create until I see more of him play. You know, it's. I just I don't have I don't know enough about him yet to be able to to say what he is and is not capable of from the pocket. Text line: He hits like a truck and reads the ball carrier really well. He is likely a linebacker safety hybrid, though. Again, Teddy, I want your opinion on his tape tomorrow. That's the Caleb Spencer kid, the uh-huh. safety. Um, yeah, he. You got to be able to run to play safety. In, in college so we'll see what his speed looks like but if he is 6'3 200 and is like a thumper probably a guy that may end up being a, a backer or like was mentioned there a, a linebacker safety hybrid which I guess would be you you would put that as like the cheetah position that they've got here but I you know I'm I, I don't know. Have to see him run. You got to be able to run to I, play that spot. I uh, I did a wellness check on the fans oh, good. earlier uh, it, uh, during locked in today because it's been a while, man. This has been one of the you know longer droughts that OU's had without a commitment. 
I mean, they, they're the number 30, number 30 class coming into today. That's behind Iowa State. That's behind Oklahoma State. That's behind West Virginia. That's behind Texas. That's behind Baylor. So that's behind Texas Tech. I, w- I wanted to see where OU fans were at right now. Are they confident still? Like, ah, it'll get they'll, – they'll get their commits. It's all good. Or some people freaking out. We had a couple people that are freaked out, but still for the most part people are – we understand this new approach to recruiting in Brent Vittables we trust. I think that this is going to calm down. It's not a five-star prospect, but it's going to calm down You know, some people. you know, They're on the board, at least, for the first time in a while. I've got a theory on this, but I want to hear what the people that were panicked were saying. Um, just basically that this is going to be the hardest class for BV because it's their first – full class um they're trying to get into areas where maybe they don't have the great relationships than the other teams that they're recruiting against maybe some recruits out there want to see what OU looks like you know um kind of what their identity is on both sides of the ball before they commit to this school so and I can understand a couple of those for sure I I I do think it's going to be the most difficult class for them because it's going to be the one time you're not going to be able to recruit off of results, right? Yeah, yeah. You're not going to be able to recruit as much off of relationship. Now, some of these guys are going to carry relationships from from other places and guys that they were uh, recruiting before, so you'll have that. But you know, you're trying to all of a sudden start convincing a kid to to come to a completely different part of the country. So it is going to be difficult, but. I I think that, you know, a lot of times whenever there's a new staff or a new um, culture, this first class, I think, has the chance to be, it may not be the highest rated, but I think it has a chance to be one of the best or one of the most important. Sure. So... Because they are going to be essentially indoctrinated in the new culture that Brent Venables is trying to put in place, right? There's a lot of there's a lot of converts up there right now, guys that have been of other places. They've been at different schools. They've transferred in. Um, they were coached under a different defensive staff. They had a different head coach, so they're buying in right now, right? They're buying in, but they're still being converted from something different. This first class is like they're going to be dipped in this culture, right? This is going to be the class that is it's going to be totally ingrained in in everything that's happening here. So I think this will be a fun class to watch two, three, four years down the road. To your point, and I am not – in the group that stars don't matter. I adamantly believe that stars do matter because I think history has shown us, especially recently, that you got to have the stars to win a national championship. But, however, you know, Clemson won its first title in 2016, Mm -hmm. and the four classes before that, here was their overall ranking. In 2012, they had the number 20 class. Mm -hmm. In 2013, they had the number 15 class. In 2014, they had the number 16 class. In 2015, they had the number 9 class. Again, mm-hmm. I, I would 
I am definitely of the group that stars do matter. You got to have talent if you want to get over the hump. But it is interesting that Clemson only had one top 10 class, and it was fringe, and they were able to break through and win that 2016 national championship. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what you attribute that to because it's kind of an outlier in terms of national title teams, but that's, that's where he's coming from. And the other thing is stars matter, but like, what do they matter for? Because if you talk to someone that says that is totally convinced that stars matter, what do they say? Well, whatever percentage of five-star guys go to the NFL, right? That's what we always hear. Well, I'm not recruiting a kid to go to the NFL. I'm recruiting a kid to win championships here, right? And I know Alabama is, is the team that everyone throws up there, but I'm more interested in like, – because it, it, it takes more than having – great players out there. You've got to have a great culture. You've got to get guys that buy in like totally into what they're doing. Like I will I will agree with you that if you're a five-star kid, you got a great chance of going to the NFL. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you got a great chance of winning a national championship in college football. Oh, no, I mean well, all we have to do is point to Texas. I mean, that's the easy thing to do here. That's right. So, I mean, it depends what, what is your goal. Like whenever you're saying that stars matter, okay, well, I think we can we have to we have to exactly decide what we're talking about. Like what is it that matters though? Like what are we talking about? Like what's the ultimate goal? The ultimate goal is not draft how many draft picks are you putting in the league. Yeah. The goal is how many championships are you winning? So and you know, it's hard to like Alabama is the reason they're doing what they're doing right now isn't just the recruiting part of it. It's it's the the full 360 is is what's going on there. They they've got the recruiting. They've got the staff, excellent staff. They've got excellent strength and conditioning, excellent facilities, excellent culture from the top down. The head coach is psychotic about the details and execution and bringing the most out of every single guy on campus. So like that is that's the outlier, and that's why they win so much. Yeah, I don't think OU has to have 15 five-stars within four years to win a national championship. I mean, mm-hmm. I am with you. I, I, I think that the culture that they build and the development, that can all produce a championship. But, and just like Clemson, though, you have to be able to sprinkle some five-stars no on doubt. top of that. you got to get your Brian Breesey. you got to get your Trevor Lawrence. Uh, you've got to get uh, some of these other uh, Christian Wilkins. I think was a maybe it was a five star at Clemson. Y- you can have that, and that's great, man. And you got to have that. That's most important. But the ability to sprinkle, you know, some five stars on top is absolutely. That's that's where you that's where you get it. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah. I, well, here's the thing. Back to this class for Venables. I think that I think this class is going to be difficult, but I think. It's going to come around late because I think a lot of guys are – they have to come around to the thought of Oklahoma if they've had relationships with these guys previously and wanted to go play for a Venables or wanted to go play for a Bates. Now you've got to kind of – you've got to give yourself some time to reintroduce, you know, Oklahoma to the situation. And 
it may just take a little bit longer to get those commitments. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, it's going to, I think. But, you know, you can look at five commitments up to this point. I, I don't know. This is a guess. They're the number 30 class right now. Maybe it moves them up to 26 or 27. But everything that I hear, they're really close or they're the leader on a lot of really good kids. Yeah. So that's something that doesn't show up in the recruiting rankings. You know, we as fans just tend to look at – where are they at ranked, how many guys they have, like all that. And, and, and that's all well and good. But you also got to pay attention to there's a lot of guys out there right now that have OU at number one that I don't think is going to change anytime soon. Well, so there, I, there's one point to that, though. I, we've heard that for a long time about how we've, we've been the top choice for a bunch of different guys, and it's come right down to Oklahoma and Bama or Oklahoma and LSU or – and we've lost out on a lot of those battles. I'm interested to see if this this staff and under Venables, they're able to close out on more of those deals than we've been able to in the past. Well, because they have a they have a hook in recruiting that they didn't have before. Um, I guess technically they had it on the offensive side. You could sell that you had the best offensive mind in the game, but they have a hook that yeah. they've got one of the best defensive minds in college football. I mean, that's 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 very that's that's huge. Yeah, that's very that's very big. And I don't think Lebby is as you're not going to hear as many people know who he is in comparison with Lincoln Riley and like the offensive guru status, right? But He's not far behind, and statistically, I think you can argue he's not behind at all. He may actually be ahead. Oh, his offense was better last year, right? When, when Ole Miss's offense better than OU's last it season? It was last year. Yeah. I just think like of, of the last like three or four years, I think it's been better most of the time or close. So, yeah. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Final hour rolls on. Football. You love it. We love it. You live it. We live it. You need it. We got it. Nobody covers college football better. The Rush, right here on the Ref Sports Radio Network. Wake up with Toby Roll. Final hour of the rush, taking you home on this Monday night. Look forward to seeing all the West Texas and Panhandle Sooners tomorrow at the OU Caravan in Amarillo, Texas. I better figure out exactly where I'm going in uh, Amarillo, Texas tomorrow. But I do have a box of t-shirts. Did you see the box of t-shirts? I out did front? not. Yeah, Tour yeah. shirts? Yeah, it, it, it makes it look like, uh, I mean, we're going to all the caravans, and so it kind of has like a concert feel nice. uh, t-shirt to it, so it's pretty cool, so... All you West Texas Sooners, uh, show me you have the app tomorrow at the event, and I'll give you a free T-shirt. How does that sound, huh? I Pretty like Pretty good it. deal. I like it. Download our app, K-R-E-F, in the App Store if you have it already. In my opinion, best way to listen to us, you can listen to us wherever you're at on the go. Don't even need a radio. All you need is your phone, which all you do is stare at it all day anyway, so might as well just listen to us there as well. Very true. Now, I will say this. I had a very... Phone-free weekend, and it was awesome. 
You weren't panicking at all about, oh, my, what if someone needs to get a hold of me? Nope. What if I miss out on who's visiting this weekend? Nope. That LV Bunkley Shelton kid's in town, and I don't get any updates <laughs> on if he's leaving Arizona State and coming to OU. Nope. Mm. Not at all. No worries at all. Uh, it was great. We, we had a baseball game Friday night at like 8.40 is when the game started for seven-year-olds. How about that? Um, then we had another game Saturday, um, hung out at the pool all day, Saturday and Sunday. It was great. The less phone, the better life is. Yeah, God bless you. There's no doubt. There's no doubt about that. All right, text line. Alabama has a coach that is a psycho for the details, you say? Hmm, I guess I see why Thad Turnipseed calls Brent Vittables the closest he is Closest thing he's seen to Nick Saban. Yeah. Yes, sir. I would agree with that. I guess I don't know. Only thing I know about Nick Saban is, uh, you know, what I've seen and, like, what I've read about him and just kind of following him from afar. I don't know what his day-to-day is, but I've heard plenty of conversations. I've had conversations with Turnip seed and heard plenty of stories, and it does sound very similar to what I Yeah, I think you can sum up Nick Saban in the quote that we always play and love to mimic, which is, it ain't good enough. Like, that's how Nick Saban, like, it, it's never it's never good enough, ever. Off a national championship or losing to Georgia in the SEC title game, whatever it is, it's just, it's it's never, it's never good enough. Right, yeah. Um, if he just said, it ain't good enough. I ain't good enough. I. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only. Yeah, thing. which one's more intimidating, Britt Venable screaming it or the I at the end of Saban? Oh, I don't know. Maybe Saban. There's anytime he's talking to you and there's an I coming at the end of it, you're something's going down. Thirty minutes ago, oh, you got a commit from three-star safety Caleb Spencer. He is out of the Virginia area, and text line is saying, according to Caleb Spencer, the staff sees him at that uh, cheetah position, that kind of that hybrid. Uh, position that they have uh, within the defense right yeah we'll see it's a long time before he gosh it's going to be unless he's an early arrival you're talking what um seven months eight months from now before he he shows up he's listed at 6'3 200 pounds now you know (laughs) You could easily grow into a uh, a linebacker in that time. Well, that's a great thing about you know getting someone that's six three, two hundred pounds. Is you they might have an idea, and I'm sure they have an idea of where they'd like to play him. But you can be pretty versatile depending on what your body does sure. over the course of the next two years. So it's it's in some ways kind of like an investment, right? It's well, we think he could do this, but with his frame. He could play maybe two or three other positions. Some guys, with how tall they are, they're locked into one spot. That's what they're going to have to be at the collegiate level. But if you're six three, big, and you can move, then they'll they'll find a they'll find a place for you. Yeah. Now, the cheetah spot is it is the most demanding spot on the entire defense. You've got to do everything. You've got to force the run on the edge you've got to be a great blitzer you've got to be able to cover a slot wide receiver man to man you've got to be able to play uh, zone and play the hook you've got to be able to play the flat uh, if you get the the right formation 
You may even have to play a deep third safety as a, as a linebacker uh, safety hybrid type. You literally have to play pretty much every position on the defense except for defensive line. So that, that position is incredibly demanding. He's got the size and length that they would like for it, and you just got to see how he, how he develops, how he shows up. Is he physically capable? You've got to be Best quick. mental minds on that team. That, yeah. that is not a, that's not a position where you're going to roll in right away as a true freshman and play, unless you're just a different kind of cat. Right. Yeah, it's tough. It, mentally, I, I don't think mentally, as far as the scheme, it may not be super difficult. But like whenever you're displaced all of the time, you better understand the concepts you're going to get and how they're attacking you. So you have to be incredibly smart, quick thinking, and uh, you know physically, you have to have an excellent amount of quickness and an excellent amount of top end speed. So like physically, you're like you're basically combining corner safety and linebacker together for that spot stars and no culture or development equals texas culture and development but no stars equals iowa state you need it all to be alabama yep that's that's, that's right. that perfectly said you, yep. you summed up the perfect statement in three sentences nice job right yep that's right that's right um someone else is asking you how long it took you to realize that a bv was talking you better be retaining everything that was said I, it it never wasn't any other way than that. <laughs> I guess I realized it uh, instantly. Yeah, it, it's you know everything that everything that you do is criticized, critiqued, coached, um, nagged, picked at every single thing. So yeah. Better start to notice. Uh, someone's asking who's been playing the cheetah position uh, recently. Not familiar with that. That's kind of like a new position within this defense, or at least a, a new name with this defense. So this will be kind of the first year that they've had. Uh, it will be the first year that they've had someone out on the field named the cheetah. Yeah. Uh, Canick's been playing it. Um, I saw TD Roof played it some. Um They've had a couple of the DBs there. It's hard to tell whenever they're in nickel or if they're in – Right, they may be in, in that defense, but one of the guys that have played nickel is now playing the cheetah spot. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So it's kind of hard to hard to tell exactly who all's in that oh, spot. I, I'm but sure I know I know Canick plays it. Yeah, I, I'm sure that there was a lot of uh, position movement throughout the spring. I mean, is they're trying to get eyes on everyone that they have? You're trying to figure out what you do have, what you don't have. Yeah, I, someone will settle into that role in the cheetah spot in the in training camp for yeah. for sure. Oh uh, man, our our um, our biggest hopes and dreams are starting to trend of maybe becoming true. Now, I'm still not buying it. I still don't think it's going to happen. But on three does. I guess three predictions came in over the weekend of Arch Manning to the University of Texas. So right now, on3.com says Texas has a 60% chance of landing Arch Manning when it's all really? said and done. 
And there's some national guys who, I mean, Teddy, they, they know what they're talking about when it comes to recruiting. I mean, they're really good. And they're predicting um, Arch to Texas. They have more inside info on the situation than I do. It's just still hard for me to believe that that family is going to pick what's been the, a, a complete dumpster fire at, at, at Texas. Well, on three needs to kind of pick what route they're going. Because if they think Quinn Ewers is the second most important quarterback transfer in all of college football, He's a freshman, and he's got Heisman odds. A lot of people that watched him in the spring game say that there is a very high amount of talent there, and I believe that. So if you think he's that important and he's that good and Texas is going to be that good, is Arch Manning going to go to a place where you've got a a freshman starting quarterback that is that highly thought of? Uh, I would not. I would not think so. No. I, but here, here's the deal. I'm sure there's an arrogant thought that, all right, well, Quinn Ewers will be the starting quarterback this year. You'll come in. You'll redshirt a year. You'll be the backup. Quinn Ewers will be in his third year of college football, and then he's off to the NFL as a first-round pick. It wouldn't surprise me if there was that uh, level of arrogant thinking around Quinn Ewers and how good he's going to be. That he'll be at Texas for two years, he'll be out the door, and they'll just reload with Arch Manning. All right, so you're either saying that he's going to be that good, and if he's that good, I don't know why Arch Manning would go there, or he's going to be that bad to where Arch Manning would be the new guy, and that would mean that Texas had another bad year, and... My question is, why would Arch Manning go to Texas if they have another bad year? I don't know. I'm still not buying it, man. I think it'll be Georgia or Bama. I think Georgia or Bama. I, I wouldn't be shocked, Teddy, if a new team got in on this recruitment late that we're not projecting at this point. That's interesting. I, I, I honestly, I don't know. I The only tie is Sarkeesian at Texas, right? That's it. Yeah, they have that. Uh, they had the Jeff Banks guy, who I, I guess was a good good recruiter at Alabama. He is the uh, he is the gentleman who uh, was dating the ex stripper with the oh, pet gotcha. monkey Gia. Well, the only tie I think though is like Sarkeesian, but it just seems weird that a Manning would go to Texas, who's been a dumpster fire for a decade just because Sarkeesian was at Alabama when they won a national championship. Yeah. That seems like a stretch, it, but it hey, is odd. if everyone, like, there's got to be a reason everyone's reporting that. There's got to be a, a high amount of, of interest there. I, I don't think that that's, I don't think it's a lie. I think that they're just reporting kind of what I'd, they've been told. What's odd to me is, I mean, dude, the Manning family, more than any other family that's probably ever played quarterback, has been highly dependent outside. Archie could move around. But Archie did not have great offensive lines, and it's a reason why he was running around everywhere. But Peyton and Eli, what they were as, as pocket quarterbacks, they were highly right. dependent on having good protection in the pocket. And how long has it been since Texas has had a 
you know, elite offensive lineman taken in the NFL draft as Connor Williams, the last guy that we're talking about here. And before Connor Williams, it had been like a decade since Texas had an O-line to, uh, O-lineman taken in the NFL draft. They, they have had very average to below average offensive lines in the past, and maybe it'll get better in the future, but I don't know. I'd be a little bit wary of a guy for the most part who's going to be a pocket passer who has had a decent little history now of battle line play. That yeah. doesn't seem like the best best fit to me. I don't know. I don't know. I I I feel like they would be they wouldn't be reporting it if that's if there's not like there's got to be some substance to that, right? I don't think that this this stuff is being just conjured out of thin air. I just think it's quite the stretch. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. A couple of segments left. Stay tuned. Final hour of The Rush, live on The Ref. We are the home of Sooner fans. Air Coverage Solutions text line 405-651-3439. We'll get to that before we talk about the uh, great success on the uh, Diamond Sports this weekend. That was uh, pretty exciting to watch, uh, baseball and softball. Maybe Arch wants to get paid. That's on the text line. Yeah. Maybe. I I think anyone that has an opportunity would put together anything that they possibly could for him. I do not believe this, but someone in Austin tied to Westlake High School stated Arch was transferring to Westlake this fall and then to UT. This is going around Austin, evidently. There you go. Is uh, Austin Westlake signing him to an NIL deal as well? Probably. It just means a little bit more in Texas high school football. You know that. Manning, he's a real Southern boy. Watch dogs get him. Huh. Yeah, we talked about Georgia doesn't seem – it doesn't really seem um, – It doesn't the, seem like QBU. Now yeah, they it. haven't had a great offensive history. So, I don't know. Uh, if Orch goes to Texas, he'll be Chris Sims Jr., which is why uh, the two of us are so excited about the possibility of him going there. It would make OU Texas so awesome if a Manning was on the other side. It'd at least make winning the football game that much more awesome. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I hey, I I I don't mind if he goes to Texas at all. I think that would be I think that would be great. I think that'd be good fun. Um to have your your biggest rival bringing in one of the biggest recruits we've seen in a while uh, with the name like he's got, absolutely. It, it would uh, not that the rivalry needs help or anything, but it would bring a lot more eyeballs to that rivalry. Man, there's no doubt about that. I think we've had some great games recently in that in that rivalry, which has been entertaining, but it's not because we've played great football. Right, and I think if Texas ever does, in fact, make it back, and Arch Manning is there as quarterback, I think that alone would help Oklahoma ramp up the level of play that they put out on the field on the field in a week by week basis as much as anything else. Right, 
Like the level of competition going up helps Oklahoma. It does not hurt Oklahoma. The worst thing, well, I don't know if it's the worst thing, but the most embarrassing thing, though, that could happen to Texas is if they did get Arch Manning and they're still the crappy program than they've been the past decade. If he's, How do you defend yeah. that? If he's not any good, you're going to bench him? Right. I mean, but and he may not be as good as Peyton and Eli. You know, I mean, that's a pretty high bar to live up to. But regardless, Teddy, he is a Manning. And if they don't live up to that, oh, God, that would be – how embarrassing well, would no. that be? It's not going to be Manning's fault. It's going to be Texas's fault. If Manning right? commits to Texas, will Teddy commit to working on Fridays? Nice. <laughs> no. Uh, who put together the video celebrating Texas football on 5-7. I think I saw that. I think I saw that. You better. I spent like two hours on it. You better have saw that. Oh, I I was. Was that something you did? Yes. Thanks for noticing. Yeah. Well, hey, you got to remember. You didn't even watch it. Yes, I did. I've got like a, a 24-hour oh, memory. A, you had a phoneless, mem- or a phoneless weekend. Was it over the weekend? I, Saturday morning. five. I put it out. Because they went five and seven last year, and Saturday was five seven. I called it uh, Happy oh. Texas Day. Get it? Maybe I haven't seen it then. <laughs> you haven't. <laughs> you, it's actually pretty good. I was pretty proud of it. You should well, watch it till the end, though. The okay. End is, uh, maybe the best. I part. need to do that. Yeah. Does uh, a monkey sound at the end of it? I'll just give you a hint there. <laughs> no way he goes to Westlake. Todd Dodge retired as coach. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, it'll be something to monitor as we move forward. I don't know who Todd Dodge is, and I don't know if there's a legendary way or not. Uh, coach in the state of Texas is who he is. Former uh, head coach at North Texas. Gotcha. He um was it last year? He played his son in a state championship game. Riley Dodge. What, he, I, oh, I think, played against him. Yeah, I think oh, okay. Riley is Southlake Carroll, and Todd Dodge is uh, Austin Westlake. And I think they play. Is it last year? Or the year before? Played each other in state championship game. It's pretty cool. Dad won, of course, though. Son, I would have had you as my quarterback, but I don't want any losers at the helm. You go play for the other side. Uh, for OU to win the Big 12 championship this week in the uh, Big 12 tournament, they have to win two games. <laughs> they have to win their game on Friday, and then they win their game on Friday. They're in the championship game on Saturday, and just boom, two games, conference championship, and they win it. Yeah. That's the advantage of having, what, seven teams in the league, I guess? Yeah, it is. Um What's the baseball's knocking on the door? Yeah, a couple climbing. polls. They're in the top twenty-five this yeah. week. That was a nice series win at TCU. They're they're. Um, I mean, unless something just disastrous happens, they're going to be in the NCAA tournament uh, this year. And they've got a chance to be a two seed somewhere. Yeah, I think that's that could be that's a real thing. I think they're still barely behind. Aren't they still barely behind TCU for second place? And in the conference right now, well, TCU's played. I think they played uh, two or three. Or, uh, have they played an entire series? Because More, they, you yeah. got an odd number in the conference, so there's one team every weekend that has to play a non-con. I think TCU still has to play their non-con. I think gotcha. I'm right on that. Yeah, I know Toby was he was going through like the winning percentage, and if they took two of three, which they did, it was still gonna. They were still barely going to be behind. TCU for second place, but they've they've played some really good baseball, and um, I don't know, uh, good stuff. No, they're they're a good the baseball up. team. They are. Um, 
there's been some games where you know they couldn't close it out in late innings, and I think that's the one of the first things people want to talk about with this team. But they have some very quality wins. Though. Yeah. That Pete used that Kansas State Sunday game, oh, right? Gosh, come on! That Oklahoma State game on Saturday and that Texas game on Sunday. You um, reverse those three games, and I mean, it's that's that's really a game of ifs. But you uh, turn around those three games, and buddy, we're really talking about something special here. Yep. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap up the day next. Stay with us. <laughs> 